up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Neat on Belly podcast. We are your hosts Nate, John, Brandon, and boys today we will recap UFC 295 and New Times 2. Headlined by Yuri Prohashka versus Alex Pereira and Tom Aspinall versus Sergei Pavlovich. Then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is main evented by Brendan Allen versus Paul Haig. Hmm. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 158 of the Neon Belly Podcast. I'm feeling good. Really, really refreshed. Like I feel like anytime the fights get over prior to one a.m., I'm feeling pretty good <laughs> that, about it. So yeah, that was lovely. Every fight on UFC 295 main card ended in a finish, and all of them. Uh, I don't know if anyone went past the first round, second round. I mean, and they all got 50k. Crazy. So deserving. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about UFC 295. Uh, and I'm just going to throw this disclaimer. I I was debating whether bringing this up, but I'm like, you know, I feel like every week we we do get a couple new people that never hear us. You find us in the algorithms. And uh, this is not going to be Nate's finest work today. I am down bad. Yeah. Like, so the fights got over. I think I went to bed after I did, like, some note stuff. I think I was in bed by, like, 2.30. And then at about 7.30 this morning, woke up with the gnarliest stomach ache and, you know, the liquid that comes with stomach ache. Mm -hmm. And it has not stopped. Yeah. Um getting like chills, body aches. I thought it was food poisoning. Yeah. And yeah. now I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> yeah. You was you were uh, over there like nodding off in between waiting on starting up. So uh, I dude, gotta... I can't even keep my head up. Um, I'm, I've positioned myself behind my mic and away from you guys in case it is anything. I do not have a temperature. Uh, we did check that. Um, but I'm just freezing cold. I'm sore and I'm exhausted. Mm. So we are going to get, but like canceling just wasn't an option. Like, Hey, if this is a fight night, uh, sorry, Neon Belly yeah. listeners. We'll see you on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll double up. <laughs> like, but UFC 295, too big, too intriguing. Um, but f- for sure, this, I mean, like I said, I do want to put that little disclaimer. Uh, go back and listen, or just better yet, come back next week. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I'll be fine by then. Um, in which not, if I am not, good luck, because you're dealing with these two. Um, and that's always a 50-50. <laughs> uh, but let's get into UFC 295. But before we do, Brandon, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. Rate, sub, follow, guys. You can find us all over. We're on Spotify. You can give us five stars on there. You can get us on YouTube. We're also on Apple Podcasts, where you can give us five stars and a written review. We have some social media you can check out as well. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We had a lot of good stuff on there. So check us out. Give us follow at me on belly podcast little peek behind the curtain so i record in a corner uh in this room that we record in um and something i battle every week is i get so hot because because mm-hmm. i'm in this corner and i have these big lights on me because i'm in a corner um but today i'm actually starting to sweat i've been under two blankets in front of a little portable heater we have out there um and i'm starting to get a sweat going which i feel like is probably all i need yeah. so this maybe i just needed some pod therapy some pod intervention yeah maybe this was the best decision i made all week we'll we're find gonna, out we're gonna go two hours we need nate to sweat this out so yeah yeah definitely not going two hours that's the other thing we're you know 
I want to spend time on 295, but everything after that will probably not our normal tempo. We'll put it that way. <laughs> It'll be a lot of this. Yeah. Right so here we go, boys. UFC 295 from this past Saturday live in New York City from Madison Square Garden and in the main events. Alex Pereira defeats Yuri Prohashkov via second round knockout. Or Flub and Diddy. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm sick. Nate's still pissed about this stoppage. Uh, so I guess I'll just say off top, did not like this stoppage um, and felt it was definitely early. But I will start. In terms of the fight itself, I think it was exactly what we thought it was going to be. Um, and it was the high-level chess match um, of Alex trying to figure out the unorthodox style of Yuri, right? And then Yuri just getting ate up by those beautiful technical Ooh. leg kicks by Alex, especially um, the leg kicks there in round one. Then Yuri gets that takedown at the end of round two, which, again, these are all things that we were like, well, if Yuri does this, if Alex does this, it changes. Mm -hmm. And both of them were able to get their games off in their that first round, so close to round one. I saw a lot of people leaning Yiri. I don't know, man. I feel like damage accrued, like in terms of like the leg mm -hmm. kicks, seemed a lot more significant than I haven't either. Um, but I did see a lot of people on X mm -hmm. or Twitter saying it. Um, so then let's get to the finish. Um, Alex lands a beautiful right left uh, hook that drops Yiri. Um, and and even something I said last week is usually when people get hit with that from Alex, they ain't getting back up. Mm -hmm. um, but Yuri ain't everybody. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm mad. Uh, so Alex lands this beautiful left, right. Uh, and Yuri instantly, he, he falls like a... I honestly, to be honest with you guys, if it would have been stopped there, I would have been like, well, yeah, who knows if he would have got that wrestle up. But it's Yuri Prohashka. He works the wrestle up. Um, and then Alex drops beautiful, about seven or eight elbows um, to the side of Yuri's head, which causes Yuri to kind of fall or flail backwards. Um, and as he falls backwards, Alex kind of lands um, in full mount. Uh, but if you go back and watch it, the ref was stepping in uh, before they had really even hit the mat. Mm -hmm. um, and here's just where I don't like the decision. It's the main, this is what I told you guys last night. This is the main event of a world title, light heavyweight title. And this fight's already had, I mean, this belt has already had its fair stare of, uh, share, excuse me, of stick. You know, just, we talked it last week and like, what was it? Nine years it's been vacated. Like six or, times. I think it was seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and though Yuri wasn't the defending champ, he is the former champ who never lost his belt. You have to give him a chance there. You know, he said himself he was out. Fair play. Um, I appreciate that Yuri does that. And I don't think Yuri, he's very open after his fights, mm -hmm. right? Um, because we also know he went out against Dominic Reyes and he won that fight. Right. Uh, he admitted that he went out in that fight and came back to win. Um, this is also, you know, the guy who is putting Glover or patting Glover on the side while Glover's in full mount, just caving his head in with elbows. And Yuri's sitting there patting him to the point where a lot of people, uh, felt like he was tapping, right? Yeah. And the ref was like, dude, you've got to stop doing that. Um, I just feel like you've got to give a guy, even if it's just another second, another beat there uh, to give him. Because for me, watching it live, and now the more that I've watched it since last night, I just don't think Yuri was given that distinction of time. Mm -hmm. Um the right arm, his arms never his arm his arms never actually hit the mat. His right arm went around Alex's left leg and his actually his left arm was across Alex's body on his tricep, which is a very legitimate sweep. I mean, you can sweep people like mm -hmm. that. 
obviously maybe not in full mount, but to me that tells me that at least there was some instincts in there where he was still fighting, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not here to argue that Yuri, I, like everybody's going to be like, but he even said himself he went out. Fair enough. Um, but again, we've seen time and time where Yuri can get up from that, man. Yeah. And that's where my gripe st stopped. In a main event, this card was so fire. This matchup was fire. And I'm just like, man, I just feel like you got to give him that extra beat there. I think it's difficult to, you know, I know we talk about how the job of the ref is probably one of the, the toughest and one we don't want no parts of because if you're too late, you see a guy get hurt more and people complain if you're too early. Obviously, people wanted at least a couple more seconds kind of where you're at with it. But I do think maybe the optic of eating a lot of elbows from somebody like Alex and then starting to go backwards, the referee just dashed because he didn't want him to take any more. Sure. That's how you'd probably have to look at it. That's it, man. Okay, so yesterday, these two, Nate and John. Oh, dude, there's nothing more that I want to do than rip John's candy ass right now. But just do not have well, it. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I feel bad for him because he went 0-8 on the night. That Good is points. true. We'll get to the scores. I did John it. Uh, like, I feel like this is just not my way. Yeah, you're just having a bad day. I'm, I'm your best friend. You know, I'm looking out. Um, My, my take on it. Okay, so I, I hear what you're saying. So, let, like, yeah, like, but for what Brandon's saying, the podcast was last night on the couch. Yeah. I, I was completely ready to replicate it again today. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't take much because I'm really that, like, just a bit incensed about the stoppage. Yeah. Uh, but just did not plan to wake up like this at all. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> might have been one of my favorite parts of the night was these two just literally going at each other about the stoppage. Go ahead. And, yeah, yeah. Say, say your part. So, so my th take on it is I hear, Nate, I hear what you're saying as far as the distinction with time. I don't disagree with that. I think there's been tons of fights where it's sure. like, yeah, you know, we could have given it more time here. My stance is still having rewatched it again, the finish. I don't think an extra 15, 20, 30 seconds changes the outcome. I just don't know how you can say that, though. If you, go back, if you go back and watch the 25 minutes that him and Glover Teixeira spent in that cage, I don't know how you can say that. To at least give him a chance. Like, would it have happened? Maybe not. Maybe Alex gets his knees in Yuri's elbows, you know, frames his arms down to his face, starts raining. I don't know. But to just not give him the chance. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Like, like that's just crazy. I, I, I don't disagree with the yeah. time. My, my take is I don't think that more time changes anything. That's just what I'm saying. I don't know, man. I, it, I just, it, it's that catch. So, like, the argument John brought up was um, with Izzy. And John said, yeah. you know, if you see Izzy as a clean, the first uh, Izzy and mm -hmm. Alex fight, if you see that as a clean stoppage, this is a clean stoppage. My rebuttal to that, though, what I said is the difference was to me, because, yes, Izzy never went down, right? Uh, Yuri did go down. Um, but Yuri, like I said, to me, there was enough in there that he was still trying. I swear, Izzy was just literally not defending himself. Went back and watched that as well, and he's just getting bombed on after, you know, a big head kick landed flush. Right, but how much time was left in the fight? It was toward it was the like end of the two, last round. Yeah, maybe closer to two So minutes. it's one of those things where if you give him more time and he sure. doesn't go out, he's and he was winning that fight on the cards, so, right? Right. So after I was prepared to rip John's candy ass today, I was my my logical kind of like where I'm at today is like, look, it's just a part of the sport. It's going mm -hmm. nowhere, unfortunately, unless this is something we've t talked about before, unless they set a precedence, right, where it's like I said last night, to me, the standard in a world title main event fight mm -hmm. should be you're flat on your back, arms out to the side. I mean, we all know what somebody unconscious for yeah. the most part looks like. We know what somebody rocked looks like. I'm not saying the fight's over, but I just feel like even fighters would agree with that. There's not one fighter of the 780 UFC fighters or whatever that are on that roster that would disagree with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I even told you guys, Tody Ferguson versus Patty Pimblett, if that's that same thing it's like the third fight co-main event yeah stop that fight right because we've mm -hmm. seen tony i just feel like yuri has proven um and maybe you can say that's a bit unfair as well it's like why do some guys 
get held to different standards and that's a whole separate thing which fair enough Mm -hmm. um but i just feel like man you gotta give in this massive massive so much anticipation such a great round one you got to give it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't want to be, it's tough because it is Mark Goddard that made the decision, but I don't want to be overly critical. Cause like John, you said, a fair point is you got two seconds. If that, to make that decision. And it's like I said, it's just going to happen. And I do believe one other thing I was going to say is I do believe there is now for Yuri, right. Um, one thing he said is I just got to get better. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think now there is a bit of onus on Yuri moving forward. You've got to correct this like wildness to your game where you're patting Glover on the, like Glover's like teeing off on you. A referee could mistake that for being tapped out mm-hmm. and kind of playing these. Cause I said, I kind of felt like he was trying to bail out and almost like back roll. Cause he was, he, those elbows were landed. I'm mm-hmm. not, not disagreeing with that. Not disagreeing. He wasn't rocked, maybe even out, but I think instinctually he was trying to do one of his crazy back rolls. And you know, that's just something he's going to, there is that part of it too, for Yuri where this, it's not like this is an isolated in, uh, incident. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. We've seen different right. things like this from him. So there is a bit on Yuri where he needs to also go back and, and, and try to clean some of that up too. Do you think there's something to, the idea of like fighters being too tough for their own good too like how you're saying for year like he gets knocked out and keeps fighting yeah. that's not something we really want in this sport because these guys careers are going to start yeah. dwindling so because like, of it right yeah for sure but that's like to an extent again a guy that's in his in his prime um i just like i said if it was like a tony ferguson situation it's like probably a good idea to stop mm-hmm. it there but man this is a world title and like i said this guy i just can't say it enough it's completely different if it was Anthony Smith who, you know, mm. we've seen go out cold. You know, it's just like, I don't know. But again, that's not Mark Goddard, uh, Mark Goddard's job is to right. ref fights based on who's in there. But there is subjective. Yeah, and to I think it, the, so. the biggest takeaway, too, is probably, you know, Yuri needing to make adjustments on not just like out trying to out tough bad situations because sure. if you eat nine ten elbows in a row, you know, you're not you're going to get looked at as, oh, this guy's about to go regardless yeah. of who you are. Mm. Just never stopped moving. That like just watching it again today, like seeing him literally never stop or like he was never flat is just like. Well, that's gosh. what he kind of said. He said I was out, but my body was still trying to go. Yeah, which is probably why he was trying to reach across. Mm-hmm. You know, frame, grab a tricep frame a little bit. Um, yeah, just it sucks. Um, but anything else on the stoppage, Brandon? Before we move on, no, no. Okay, because I do want to clarify this though is that. Uh, though I didn't agree with the stoppage, I'm by no means like sitting here today upset that Alex Pededa is lightweight champion, right? Mm-hmm. This guy deserves everything he's earned. Um, what a fantastic story, right? He is really... He's really become a great mixed martial artist, um, and I know it's been echoed many times. But what he has achieved in this sport in such a short time span—eleven fights—it's just remarkable, man. Like, I, and I don't even know how, like, in words, we can even express that anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, we've talked about it here, but you know, um, even here now, Alex is now an MMA and a kickboxing double champ in two different weight classes mm-hmm. at in the highest promotions, Glory and UFC. Um, and I'm just kind of curious your guys' thoughts. But at what point? You you know, do we start considering this guy as one of the greatest combat athletes uh, of all time, kind of like we do, say, a Henry Cejudo or a Holly Holm? Um, because even in, like, ball sports, right, uh, John, you can attest to this, there aren't many professional two-sport athletes through history who have performed at high levels like this in both Bo sports. Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. But, like, did Bo Jackson win a World Series? No, but Dion did. Okay, fair enough. And he did Dion with Atlanta, and then he, yeah, he's won a Super Bowl okay, before with the Cowboys, I think. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. But he's it. But yeah, but even that, yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying like the greatest fighter, but just in terms of just combat sports athletes, um, 
I just can't imagine how difficult it must be in combat sports, even as opposed to ball sports doing that. Mm-hmm. And yet here's a guy in Alex Pereira, uh, who has not only had success in multiple combat arenas, but he's also become multi-divisional champions now in both. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing for me, too, is like you guys have said, the short amount of time he's done this. Like, yeah, he's been kickboxing for a long time, but he only had 11 MMA fights. And that's not just, yeah. I mean, they're close sports, but there's a whole lot more to mixed martial oh, arts than just yeah. punching and kicking. You've got grappling, you've got the jujitsu and all that. So to me, that's another, like, I don't even know how you qualitate that into yeah. how great he is, right? Like those little things right there that people might miss. And it's not like he hasn't been tested in those areas in right. mixed martial arts where he shouldn't be great, like with the wrestling, like, you know, like Jan, mm-hmm. he's been taken down you know he has had moments uh where he's had to battle through that adversity year he took him down last night as well yeah and i he think he's able to get up beautifully mm-hmm. textbook exactly what you would want yeah. so and, and i think with it when it comes to the combat sports talk you know even if because like henry cejudo doing it and then obviously multiple weight classes as well and olympic gold medal like yeah he, he you know he has some parody there but he's definitely entered like that mount rush more like when yeah. you're picking four he's in the four sure. whether you think he's one through yeah you know four he's in there for sure yeah and like holly holm you know kickboxing hall of famer or is she a boxing hall of famer i can't remember she's but, boxing so yuri now is you know a glory kickboxing champion which there's not many like i think less than five people that are even mm-hmm. in glory's hall of fame um I bang on UFC yeah. Hall of Famer. I mean, what this guy, this story is something that he has to first ballot, in my opinion, because what he's been able to achieve is something like I, I don't ever want to say we'll never see it because I do now think that we will more than ever. But man, just cannot say enough about how impressive that is. Um, and, in, and in terms of what is next for the new champ, obviously Jamal Hill will still get his shot when he's healthy. But he said Pereira, uh, or but Pereira said uh, that he wants to fight before that. And he had a very interesting call out of Izzy, uh, but it was kind of all over the place. I've since seen like transcripts of what he meant. It was from referencing an old interview that Izzy did where mm-hmm. he said he has no interest in fighting. This was before they were Alex was in the UFC. He said he had no interest in rematching him in mixed martial arts. Uh, he's going to be in a bar one day watching like oh i beat that guy and Mm -hmm. that's going to be his legacy basically and so alex was like yeah you saved me from the bar uh but in the end the soundbite to me from that whole thing is adesanya come to daddy yeah (laughs) Uh, i actually have it queued up i'll play it here in a sec uh so your guys' thoughts on Pereira challenging izzy uh to come up and face him for the light heavyweight title because i think unless you run yuri back who do you give him before hill comes back right Mm -hmm. i think if it's not izzy it almost has to be yuri prohashka again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I don't disagree. So in his post fight, he even kind of doubled down on that a little bit as far as, you know, wanting to see Izzy um, in terms of a rematch there. And they asked him about, um, do you want me to get into the post fight stuff? Yeah, here? yeah, okay. whatever you got. Yeah, Go ahead. so, so they asked him specifically about what he thought as the matchup with, um, with Jamal. And he literally just didn't address it like he just kind of moved yeah. past it he didn't say anything other than he doesn't mind where the fight happens mm. and it's not personal yeah um but yeah he's really kind of doubled down on the whole izzy rematch and yeah i mean as far as you give him because i think it's what probably a year for hill as far as how yeah, long he's been but i think they said about july could july. be when he's able to yeah. train yeah. i guess honestly I fight. Th- with the controversy too as far as how it went down with yuri i don't mind the rematch i, I don't really either don't. man i've mm-hmm. got that was kind of where i was going my angle here is um i don't hate izzy uh, I even told you guys what a great opportunity for Izzy. Izzy does mm-hmm. not, based off of at least what he tweeted, not saying that that couldn't chance uh, change. Uh, he seems to have no interest in it. Still mm-hmm. sticking to his twenty twenty seven timeline. Uh, but I think, yeah, I don't. Given how it ended, and and again, that's not off par either for like when fights end a bit 
weird, you know, to see him running mm-hmm. back. So I think that's more where I'm at today. But again, wouldn't be upset about Izzy because I do think it adds a freshness as well. Yeah, there's also something, you know, for one thing that Dana said about Yuri is his leg is super busted up, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that'll take a second. But sure. um, Dana also said that he's saying Izzy's a middleweight. He doesn't think he's going to come up. He said Jamal Hill's getting the next shot. But he said if Izzy did want to go to light heavyweight, they'd probably have him get a win, and then he'd get a chance yeah. to fight Alex. Which It's fair. That's what Alex had to do. Right, which is fair. Which That's what Alex said in his post-fight, too. He yeah. said, I'm not going to make him do what I had to do mm. as far as to get back to um, to get to him. But if you're the UFC, too, though, I don't know. Like you said, there's not a lot of budding opportunities there. Mm. So, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, I do think that Yuri makes a lot of sense. There's really nobody else sitting in the whims and like maybe like a one through four because you'd have to go to like six or seven to find somebody who's not right. even booked right now. So, yeah. so is it weird that I'm just really not that interested in a rematch with him and Izzy at 205? I think I'm, that's a fair point. Why not? Just, it didn't just, sound like Dana was either. I'm just yeah. not like, okay, yeah, they're 20 pounds bigger-ish, but Izzy struggled to fill out the weight class like mm-hmm. i'm just not i mean i'd rather i'd way more rather see the rematch with yuri or anybody mm-hmm. other than izzy to be honest yeah the sun come true daddy <laughs> gotta love it. his only english <laughs> i love this guy man i love love alex Pereira. um the, the only big pop too man yeah the crowd loved him yeah i was a little bummed to see yuri get booed man i don't know how you boo either of these guys um mm-hmm. the only other thing i had to bring up about this fight was the stare down in the beginning <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude. Like, talk about, like, UFC moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know they only put fights in the Hall of Fame, but I think that stare down should be in its own wing of <laughs> the Hall of Fame. Should be in the game, at least. Yeah, dude. That was just, like, intensity personified, and that's what these guys are. Um, and again, it gets back to, like, and even if you want to go on the side of it was fair, like, why not see it again? If there's an opening for it to happen again, who do you want to see Yuri fight? The winner of Blachowicz and Alexander Rakic. Right. I mean, who you want to see him fight? <laughs> Johnny Walker is the only one, but then he just came off a no contest. Again, no. Yeah. No. I mean, it just, it's right there, man. Let's just do it. Boys, moving into the co-main event. You got to hit it again for Tommy two times. <laughs> Tom Aspinall defeats Sergei Pavlovich via first round knockout. And moments like this are exactly why I love this sport. Uh, Tom Aspinall, on two weeks' notice, uh, comes into what, in his own words, was the scariest fight of his life. Said he was scared to death of Sergei Pavlovich. I saw he said his son said uh, his son's getting into mixed martial arts. I think he's like 10 or under. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know, Dad. I think this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> Um, and knocks the guy out, you know, mm-hmm. um, whose name alone in Sergei Pavlovich has invoked fear in many of the top heavyweights in the world to the point where a lot of them don't even say it. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Including Tom Aspinall, right? We were like, after you, you know, you beat Tibura, how do you not call out Pav, right? And comes in and does what he does and has done to so many before. And let's be honest, made it look easy yeah. as he does his own, own career. Um, and even managed, even in a win to, uh, answer questions right about mm-hmm. the chin because to eat that power from Pavlovich to me just says so much about Tom Aspinall and who he is and then you add on to the legacy or the, the just the, the greatness of what we just witnessed uh they said on the post-fight show uh that he had told Megan Olivia in the back that he got the fight like 14 days ago mm-hmm. and four days in threw his back out uh so for 10 days literally was not able to do anything mm-hmm. uh this guy man Tom Aspinall take a bow 
Yeah, yeah. wasn't wasn't able to do a training camp really. Wasn't re- I mean, you talk about being in shape. The dude was right at the limit. And Pavlovich, man, was the one he was training to be the step in <laughs> fill in fighter for Stipe. He had a camp for mm-hmm. Stipe and Jones. So, but you can't win a championship on the couch, my man. And yeah, I think I love that quote. Yeah, man. one of the one of the better ones. But yeah, yeah, he said. In the um, post fight, he definitely mentioned the. Well, he said it was he got the call three or four days after pulling his back, so he still said it oh, with okay. the pulled back. So I misunderstood it. Um, he said he's still feeling it. He's probably gonna have oh, to get I'm treatment. Sure. Um, he said like he didn't feel like his movement was very good at first, and then somebody asked him if it was the back. He's like, yeah, probably. Yeah. But man, did it come on? Mm. I feel like too with him having such a short notice, like we can, you know, the physical piece wasn't a hundred percent for him, obviously. But yeah. to me, it just speaks to his IQ. Like we mm. talked about this with our well-rounded yeah. fighters, and for me, he's at the top of that list. And even where he gets tagged, like yeah. he gets tagged once in that little exchange there. And what I, to me, what that seemed like was that was his read. Okay, so now he understands the distance because Ser- Sergey had that little bit of reach on him, and from that point on, Aspinall just kind of took over the distance management, and was able to tag him again on his own, and just finish the fight. Yeah. So like incredible to me his fight iq in in the middle of the fight as yeah. well he knocked his mouthpiece out with that punch like sergey hit him very yeah. very clean yeah and he even said in the um in his post fight like he thinks that sergey thought he hurt him that's mm-hmm. why he rushed at him yeah and he didn't he said i put my mouthpiece back in i circled set it up boom 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 and mm-hmm. it was kind of just is what it is but he's like i've been training for this stuff since i was eight years old mm-hmm. I've yeah been boxing with the furies i've been doing this i've been yep. everywhere so yeah again if i had 100% planned on wearing uh, my Manchester United shirt today. Uh, North Manchester, Sanford, stand up. You got one. I love oh, yeah. It. Uh, and I think now, what is next for Tom Aspinall? No one seems to know. And we kind of previewed this last week, right? Because it's like it just doesn't really make sense of what you do with him next. Um, the thought is eventually, you know, it'll be a title unification bout with either John Jones or Stipe Miocic. Uh, but I don't know if you're Jones or Miocic and you see this win by Aspinall that you find it worth it this late in your career right to risk your legacy because man uh, Aspinall I think is a tough matchup obviously for both of these men mm-hmm. at this point in their careers um, I don't know if you guys saw the video of Stipe walking out to the ring uh, like limping looks a little old yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I've seen and it could be injured you know yeah. I mean he was training for a fight could be injured um, but I've seen the suggestion that they should get Stipe to fight Aspinall I would be very shocked if Stipe took that and I actually think Dana said something in reference to that yeah um, that he wants no part of that. Yeah, it's it's gonna be them. Yeah. It's their legacy fight. They deserve it. Um, and, well, and plus the actual world title is on the line. Like, right, right, you don't give up your world title slot to then go back and fight for an interim title. That mm-hmm. just makes no sense. Right. Um, in a fight too, where both Stipe and Jones have called it a legacy fight, um, I just don't think Stipe risked that opportunity to fight Aspinall because even if he felt he could beat him, it, you know, if you lose that fight to Aspinall, the Jones fight is gone forever. Right, yeah. both of these guys, Jones and Stipe, on borrowed time. Um, and it'll never happen. Um, and for that fight uh, to mean so much to both of them, I just I, I just don't see it. Uh, but I have a feeling we're possibly more likely to see Aspinall versus Gone sometime maybe early next spring. And I guess the interim title will be on the line. Uh, but that seems to make the most sense to me for Aspinall as far as who's next, who's available. Because like we mentioned last week, you know, in previewing this fight, I don't think Aspinall wants to sit out for a year he and wait for as, this fight. He said as much. He yeah. said... Um, he basically said he doesn't want to wait a year, and he said he, what he wants is John Jones in Manchester. Yeah, that'd be um, awesome. 
said he doesn't want to wait for the year. He thought it was funny that Surreal Gone called him out because he called out Surreal Gone and Gone wasn't interested, and now he wants him. So yeah. Aspinall said he wants Gone to face Almeida, and he wants John Jones, obviously. Sure. Great, perfect world, sure, for him, but I just don't know that. Like you said, um, Dana said he went out to lunch with Stipe, and Stipe said he wasn't sure if he'd fight past John Jones because that's all he's really looking mm. at right now. So that kind of just opens up that window even further of they're saving everything for them to, and Aspinall is going to have to make some tough decisions on waiting out or taking a fight against somebody else sure so here's a question i have so let's say that jones and steve fight and then let's say that you, you get a double retirement in that moment and if they vacate or whoever has it at the time vacates the belt does that automatically put aspinall as the heavyweight they champ? did that with robert whitaker a couple yeah. years ago okay. for the bisping so, or for the gsp and then you know it's potentially if you do a match with gone in that instance it's you know just him defending the heavyweight title but right mm, I, I don't know how else that goes but here's here's my last question that i want to ask on this fight um which fight, if you had to say right now, you know, we always do our year-end predictions on our year-end show, but I want one right now. Next year, um, is the undisputed world heavyweight title or the interim heavyweight title defended more next year? <laughs> if you had to pick. Man. Because, good Lord, Tom Aspinall could defend that thing twice before next Have summer. Have we ever seen an interim title defended? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Didn't, who I, would I don't think Did Whitaker have. defend it? He, or he won it. He might have. I don't know. I, I know that there's been some weird. But there's been a couple to, weird like, things. If, if you book him with Gone, what are you going to do? Just act like he's not the interim champ. Like you're going to have to put it up there. Mm-hmm. But they'll probably just hold off until they get the Jones Cipe fight done. Did JDS defend it before he fought Kane? Because I know he beat Frank Mir and got the yeah, interim. I can't remember, I can't remember if he defended it, but I say undisputed because I just don't. I can't recall a time where the interim belt was actually defended. But if Tom Aspinall is going to fight, like let's say he fights in March or mm-hmm. April of next year. You have to put that. That'd be like sending Justin Gaethje into a title, or, you know, a fight right now, and not having the BMF on the bike. Like it has to be a part of it. You know, well, what they, I mean? they did that with Mads at Fair all. enough. That's well, the the unfortunate point. part of it is John Jones being John Jones because sure. the UFC probably would have loved a Jamal Hill Yuri situation where you vacate so you can get the first shot when you're yeah. healthy. And, but you want that belt on the line against Stipe because yeah. that's part of the selling point. And too. I wish we knew if it had ever been done because. That would be my question is what if Surreal Gone beat Tom Aspinall? Is Tom Aspinall still the interim champ who's the number one contender? I mean, you know what I mean? It just yeah. I think you would have to have it be some sort of a distinction of this is a bigger fight than just mm-hmm. a title eliminator. Mm-hmm. I but, feel. But he did say that Jones is in therapy currently already, which it's funny because he first said rehab and everybody started laughing. He's like, Oh no, no, I meant therapy. He's not in rehab. In our, he's yeah. holding on to that. In so. our next fight, boys, uh Leon's working overtime today. Jessica Andraj. Defeats Mackenzie Dern via second round knockout. A uh, sensational striking performance uh, by Jessica Andrade here. And what a way, too, also to just get her career back on track. And I said last week, you know, I felt that where she was was maybe backsliding a bit and that it was more of an indictment on where Jessica Andrade was right now in her career. Um, And we will get to the Mackenzie Dern performance in a sec. But just first off, your guys' thoughts on the performance from Jessica Andrade. Um, I thought it was great. I thought she showed a level of patience too that she hasn't been showing yeah. in her previous fights that clearly paid off. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, that obviously paid dividends and the ability, the ability to, I think her strikes weren't as, as they were still like very, uh, what's the word? Um, Loopy. loopy, loopy, but not nearly as much. Again, I feel I think that that showed to be a little bit tightened up compared to the last couple fights, but mm. yeah, the patience to me is what paid off here. 
Yeah, and I mean the, her ability to just stuff those takedown attempts and completely negate yeah. um, what Dern was trying to do on as far as just trying to get it down and taking advantage of you know some some holes that you know Dern has always had. I think this is like the perfect. This probably was the perfect matchup for her to try to get back on track as far as somebody who she could actually exhibit her striking on, and she probably had a lot of faith in her takedown defense. And unfortunately, you know, I just feel like the biggest storyline coming out of the fight here is more of the performance of Dern. You know, she just really struggled in this matchup, boys. Um, she did have some flashes, some good moments. You know, mm -hmm. Brandon, you mentioned the jab early on. Um, but still, man, just struggling to complete takedowns, still keeping that chin straight up, and maybe just lacking, you know, some overall just in-fight IQ in general. Um, and I believe, you know, as it was said on the commentary even, just not good enough for this level of mixed martial arts. Um, but your guys' thoughts, you know, on the performance of Mackenzie Dern and where she is in her career because, again, it's like still making those same mistakes, man, and I mean, it's not like she's a spring chicken in here either, mm -hmm. you know. It seems to me like she makes adjustments. You can tell she's been working on things in camp, yeah. right? Like the jab. Like that looked really good early on yeah. in the fight to me to the point where I, you know, brought it up. It was noticeable. But then as the fight goes on, it kind of seems like she kind of gets lost and just reverts back to those same old yeah. habits, right? Which it, for a lot of people, I'm sure that's the case where you just kind of go back to what you're used to when sure. you start to get anxious or flustered or whatever. And I don't really know how you, how you fix that, right? I don't know how you sure. do other than just continued time and working through those those feelings but that's how it seemed to me and well, it's that's just, the thing though it's like you know I, how many fights does she have you know it's not like i said it's not like she's a rookie right, 17. right. yeah i mean 17 mixed martial arts fights it's like i mean i, I again I, I don't not using the word bust but it's like man are you ever gonna figure well at this point maybe not you know maybe that's just who she is yeah like she just reverts to that and coaches you know try and try and try to beat that right. in your head of like look you've got to do this and do that and sure she just can't quite you know right and it, well and then just to hear like joe rogan and dean thomas you know guys obviously super smart in their own right about the sport again just saying like this just isn't good enough for this mm -hmm. level mm -hmm. of mixed martial arts it's like well i don't know where mckenzie dern goes from here man well especially when you leave your coach you leave perillo you're yeah, like you know how you had said she's training with her dad in a yeah. garage and but you know and here's the other thing as good as andrage did she got really rocked too, but the what you brought up, it's the patience. Kenzie Dern rocks her, rushes in, and then she gets rocked, and that's what kind of leads to the end of all this. Yeah. Um, you know, Dern has and I you know I tweeted this out, like she has all the tools, she has all these attributes that's just like, oh man, girls would die to have these things. Mm -hmm. The problem is the holes that she has are what's causing her to lose. They're, they're yeah. holes you can't have at this level. Yeah, and she's just never found a way to let her strongest skill set which is her jujitsu complement her MMA game. And mm -hmm. I, it's, it is, man. It's like, man, you're, you know, she's a mom and she's going through a lot of stuff. It's like, you know, does she find her way out of this? We shall see. I don't think that's the last we'll see of McKenzie Dern in the mm -hmm. UFC, um, but we will see. Boys, the last fight we're going to preview because I am fading fast. <laughs> Benoit Saint Denis defeats Matt Frivola via first round knockout. <laughs> Uh, this fight was fun while it lasted, and <laughs> as advertised again, you know, a left high kick lands flush for Saint-Denis, uh, caught Frivola trying to circle out with his hands down, and welcome to the top 15 rankings, God of War. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not that 11, 12, maybe 10, just yeah. because... You know the role. I mean, the role that Frivola was on three first round knockouts and to stop that the way he did, yeah, is just super impressive. And it just kind of goes. You know, you t we talked about it last night. You see people circle with their hands down, and you see it all the time. It's yeah. just such a bad. Not only is it a bad idea, but it's the worst way you get caught because you're just kind of like looking out the side of your eye and then bow. Yeah. Well, there's a good little moment there from Frivola in the beginning with that mm -hmm. takedown as yeah. well. It was a great slam, but you know, Benoit just able to get up and kind of just 
stay in that. I don't remember what the name was for in wrestling, but it's like when you reshots, right? Like yeah. the concept of like you, you know, someone takes a shot, you defend and reshooting. Like that's right. a great opportunity to to you know get some offense going. I feel like in this moment there was that disengagement from the clinch off the fence and just yeah. being able to to pounce on those small little moments of transition. Um, paid off beautifully. So. Yeah, rough night for the the Longo guys. I told you when you guys mm-hmm. got there, I was like, oh no, I picked for Vola. This is <laughs> this ain't gonna go great. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he wants the BMF title. Did Benoit Saint Denis, but also called out you know most of the top of the lightweight division. Um, and John, you know, you said the whole thing about where he goes in the ranking, and I kind of interested on that on your guys' thoughts on what is Benoit Saint Denis' ceiling because I feel like you know guys like Saint Denis or at least who we perceive him to be uh, never really have super high ceilings right mm-hmm. uh, but do you know do you see him maybe more than just a brawler I guess maybe and you know uh, sitting here today do you think he can um, take this style like how hard how high do you think he can go in this division go ahead I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's such a tough question to answer. Um, I, I mean, based off what we saw last night, I think he's up in the. He can get up to the top ten, probably even top five. I mean, just yeah. based off what we've seen. But at the same time, Matt Frivola is not uh, Justin Gaethje or Poirier sure. or these guys. So, um, I I don't know. Yeah, at this point, he's kind of just played the spoiler, right? The hype trains, yeah. the bomb fiends, even Frivola. You know, the role that he was on. No pun intended. Um, but you know, he kind of played that role. So it will be interesting to see, but the guy's a finisher though. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's just out here, like out, you know, working people, sure. he's putting people out. Um, so it will be interesting. You know, some of the things we looked at as far as like, you know, he kind of takes a beating in some of his fights and kind of wars back, yeah. you know, showing, showing that up is going to be important as he moves up. But I think that that finishability is something that's, you know, always can, something you can lean on. So much more we could talk about at UFC 295. I would love to give Diego Lopez uh, his flowers over Pat Sabatini. I mean, grappler, what? This guy's, a, this guy's a supposed to be a little <laughs> grappler, man. Uh, but, unfortunately, we got to move on. Brandon, update us on the scores. So, Nate John, did, he has no points yes. coming into Ouch. this. Um, which How many were possible, Nate? Eight. 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 Came yeah. in with zero. So, Nate's yeah. still sitting at 90. I came away with four points, so I have 85. Oh. John came away with five, so he is at 79. I so. thought you would have caught me. I don't know why I thought, Brandon. I felt like you did better last night. Maybe not. Mm. Came away with four. So. Uh, boys, let's spin it forward. This Saturday night from the UFC Apex with a main event start time of 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. You got to love it. And in our middleweight division, number 10, Brendan All-In Allen versus number 13, Paul Berju Krieg. Um and for a couple of uh, BJJ nerds sitting here, you got to love this grappler versus grappler main event showdown because both of these men actually hold 13 submission victories in their career. Uh, will one of them make it 14 Saturday night? We shall see. Uh, but quickly look at the matchup, and we'll start with Brendan Allen, uh, who has just lost, uh, who, who, excuse me, who has lost just two of his 12 UFC fights, both losses to teammates Sean Strickland and Chris Curtis. Uh, so good news for Allen is Paul Craig is not a member <laughs> of the not yet. stable yeah <laughs> uh but since his last loss to curtis allen is currently riding a five fight win streak into saturday night with four of those five wins being by submission and all four, four subs uh were rear naked chokes by the way so to say he has a move is a bit of an understatement <laughs> his most recent win and rear naked choke was in round one against bruno silva back in july and looking to stay out of his back mount is the bear jew paul craig um who will make his second uh, middleweight appearance after dropping two straight at light heavyweight, Craig decided to move down 20 pounds for his last fight. And uh, many of us wondered how he would handle, you know, that challenge because he came and or he came straight out in his last fight and at that time faced the number 14th rank Andre Muniz, um, and he won by second round TKO. 
uh, and this is just a fascinating matchup because we typically see grappler versus grappler matchups play out on the feet. Um, that's kind of the old added cliche, but I'll be honest, I feel like this is not going to be that. I think these guys are both going to come in. Uh, they're both true grapplers, and I think they're going to look to do that. But, John, what is your opinion? You know, uh, what's interesting about this is I do think that they match up super well on the ground, but I think Brennan Allen has some very, very nice and underrated striking as to where, you know, Paul Craig doesn't necessarily ha use that as much or have that as much, especially against guys who are kind of at that level or, or at the, like an average or above. Um, and you still kind of worry about Paul Craig getting to the takedowns as well. Um, it's something that, you know, we've talked about with him and something that obviously he's been working on. But I actually like Brendan Allen in this. I think that his striking will be um, make it a lot easier for him to set up to get to his submissions. Um, but I am going to take him by sub as well. I know Paul Craig's only been subbed once, but it was Jimmy Crute. And I think Brendan Allen's submission game is a lot um, higher than somebody like him. So I'm going to take Brendan Allen, I will say, second round sub. Okay, yeah, this one's a little bit of a toss-up for me. I know Allen's a favorite. I like Craig here. Um, I'm going to take him because I think that move down to middleweight was a good one for him. He looked really good physically. I think that what he lacks in takedown ability as well gets a little bit um, balanced as far as his size and he's, when he's at middleweight, so I kind of like him here against Allen. I, I like the submissions as well for both of them. Look, he submitted Jamal Hill. He submitted uh, Uncle Liev. Like he can, he can submit the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take Paul Craig here. I'm going to go with... I'll say yeah, second round submission. Yeah, I know I said I think this thing, you know, inevitably will play out on the ground, but kind of like John said there is, you know, I do think it comes down to who can win the battle on the feet and especially in the takedown department because both of these guys are so good when they are on top. Um, and you guys know I love Paul Craig, a bit of a lonely heart boys for me, but I think I'm ever so slightly going to favor Brendan Allen in this fight. Um, I think his ability to move guys backwards and get their backs on the cage where he can then, you know, shoot or uh, utilize the clinch it will be the difference here. Uh, now, I do think the battle of Brendan Allen passing Paul Craig's guard is the most interesting battle we will see. You know, not many, if any, men in the sport are much better off their backs than Paul mm -hmm. Craig. Um, and he's so good at sweeping and creating scrambles from there as well. But if Allen can shut down Craig's guard, I think he can overwhelm Craig on top. I think Craig is, you know, way too stubborn to let Allen submit him. So I think Allen's going to have to resort to kind of dropping some bombs, maybe some elbows. Uh, so I'll take Brendan Allen by third round TKO. Yeah, I think both of I kind of referenced the Muniz fight for both of them as far as just facing another high-level grappler. Yeah. And they both obviously had a lot of success. And lastly, boys, in our co-main event and in the welterweight division, Michael Morales versus Jake Matthews. Um, and admittedly, the undefeated Michael Morales has entered my Lonely Heart Boys Club, <laughs> I think I can say. I think this kid just oozes with talent. He's 15-0 at just 24 years of age with all three of his wins, all uh, with all three of his last wins coming inside the U.S. UFC. Um, his last win was against Max Griffin by unanimous decision back in July, and uh, he's a sizable favorite in this fight, uh, but I think he definitely is facing a tough test against the always tough Jake Matthews, and Matthews is coming in struggling a bit to find some consistently as he has exchanged wins and losses in his last four, uh, but he does come in and off a second round submission win over Darius Flowers back in July, uh, and I do get the odds being in favor of Morales, you know, given where they both are in their career, but Jake Matthews, man, he has shown at times you know, when he is at his best, uh, he looks like an absolute world beater. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of interested to see where you guys are, you know, going into this fight. Um, I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, I think it should be maybe a little bit closer, kind of like how you were saying with Jake Matthews at his best is um, a really tough. I mean, this guy who's been in there with Sean Brady and mm -hmm. some, you know, some other really um, good fighters, whereas with Morales, we haven't kind of seen him as fight some of the more top tier guys. 
Um, but I, I'm kind of with you on this, though. I, I am on the Michael train as well. I think Morales just has this really slick ability with his striking, but also, like, he kind of looks bored in there sometimes and kind of just turns it on in, in moments. So I, you, I do want him to be kind of on his game the whole time for this fight because if not, Jake Matthews can definitely take you out if you take him lightly. But I'm going to go with Michael Morales here, and I'm going to say Jake Matthews is a tough dude. I think it's going to be by decision unless Morales can, you know, kind of turn it on early. But I do think I like uh, Morales by decision. Yeah, to me, Morales is kind of a. It's easy for me to lean him just as far as like the the grappling pedigrees there. Which, granted, he's not a big shot kind of guy. He's much more upper body clinch throws that kind of thing. But he's also knocking guys out. Like Morales, to me, has a bit more tools, and he's consistent. He's undefeated right now. Matthews, even his last win against Flowers, that was not a super mm. smooth win. You First know what round I mean? was rough. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he's got the grit. He can he can sort of make things happen when he's at his peak. Like as you said, Nate, but. For me right now, man, Morales, just I think he might be that guy. So I'm going to yeah. take Morales. Do, are we picking round and yeah. nothing? Mm -hmm. What would you say, John? Decision. Okay, so I'll take, man, I'll take Morales by, uh, I'll say second round knockout. Yeah, I'll say this. I am kind of fighting the same urge to take Jake Matthews and this fight as I was taking Dolby against Bonfim two mm -hmm. weeks ago. You know, the fight has kind of that same feeling, and Matthew kind of has that, or Matthews, excuse me, has that same stubbornness and nastiness like Dolby, where, uh, you know, he knows what this fight is, and he's not going to come in and just roll over for this kid either. Uh, because, like I said, you know, we've seen Matthews at his best, and he is really tough to beat. But unlike Bonfim, you know, Morales also, one thing is he's just had more experience, not just going to a decision, but winning them as well. Um, and it's also hard to deny the talent, man. You know, just a sensational striker kills guys with speed. Um, and in the later rounds, that's usually what, you know, it, it is happens. He just starts picking guys apart. Um, he does leave his chin up a little high, which does make me a little nervous. Uh, but he should be able to outstrike a guy like Jake Matthews, you know, who's also no slouch by any means, but Morales is a little bigger, a little longer in terms of the reach as well. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, with the speed is just going to be a huge problem. He uh, also has displayed really good takedown defenses, Morales as well. And he's shown an ability as well to get off his back. Um, just, just an all-around good young talent, mm -hmm. man. Matthew's super tough. Not as you finish. I actually like the decision for Morales as well with John. Um, but you know what? Let's go crazy. Let's say Michael Morales. Let's get a submission, baby. Let's go nice. in there. You know, Jake, Jake Matthews has shown some weaknesses there. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Michael Morales, second round sub. How about that? Nice. And uh, John, uh, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. All right, we got some huge fight announcements. UFC 297 Canada now has a main event. A strong Strickland will be facing or doing his first title defense against Drikas Duplessis. Um, they also added former light heavyweight champion Jan Blachowicz and his rematch against Alexander Rakic. And another light heavyweight fight coming in the form of another former title challenger, Dominique Reyes, taking on Carlos Olberg. Was there any clarity as to why DDP got it over Hamzat when that was the move? And, I mean, we know Hamzat, I think he's only out for three weeks. Like, right. what happened there? I, I haven't seen anything clarifying yeah. it. Maybe Maybe it was just a, you know that DDP is ready and you want to see what happens after the brace comes off for Hamzat. I'm not sure. Uh, UFC 298 also has a main event as in February. 145-pound champion Alexander Volkanovsky will be defending his title against Ilya Toporia. Um, that one doesn't have a location yet, but so we have yeah. 97, 98, and then 299 has his headline yeah. as Sean O'Malley will defending his Bantamweight title in a rematch against the only man to beat him, Marlon Chito Vera. Yeah, a lot of great fights announced this So 97, 98, 99 books. Um, other great fights, including uh, UFC Shanghai getting its main event as Song Yudong will face Chris Gutierrez. Uh, Manel Kopp will be facing Matthias Nikolai in a rematch in January. 
And uh, in PFL, Kayla Harrison, who was slated to face Julia Budd, will now be facing Aspen Ladd in this, or in D.C. this month. Okay. Um, former title contender Talia Santos has parted ways with the UFC. It was said she had a couple more fights left on her contract, and it's unclear why she was released. There hasn't been any statements made on either side. Um, on whether Santos requested the release or the UFC decided just to cut ties, but it seems like a big loss. Yeah, that's what I told you guys. You know, in a division that's kind of getting hot and has some contenders in there, it's like Tyler Santos was definitely one of those contenders. So I'd uh, be interested to know what happened there um, and how, you know, she came to that decision or, you know, if the UFC just did not see value in her or mm-hmm. whatever she was asking for. Very interesting when, you know, you need contenders in women's mixed martial arts. You and know, she still had been, fights on. Yeah, and they've been top heavy for so long, arguably beat. Valentina Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting move. And she was four and three in the UFC, which I didn't realize, but I just think that good run that she went on is what yeah. kind of saved it. Um, the last little bit of UFC news is in the post fight presser for 295. Dana did say that they're looking to do Mexican Independence Day in the Sphere in Vegas. Yeah, I think he said they booked it. Uh, yeah, they're sort of trying to figure out the schematics of how to get a ring in there and how to make it look, but that should be crazy. Um, he also had boxing for the first time on his Fight Pass, um, on the Fight Pass network, and he said that basically with HBO and Showtime backing out, he wants to be a network for certain promoters. And the guy that he has on there now, um, a lot of people were commenting on how it was fast-paced, like fights were right after each other. He likes his matchmaking, so it looks like he's definitely stepping into that arena. Um, into some big Bellator news, Usman Nurmagomedov has been suspended six months by the California, oh, California State Comedic, or Comedic Athletic Commission. I'm struggling now too. Uh, after testing positive for a banned substance following his fight against Brent Primus at or at Bellator 300, that win has now been turned into a no contest. Usman had a prescription but failed to apply for a therapeutic use exemption. Um, they are not releasing what the substance was, and he was fined 50k for it. But Usman's manager Ali has released a statement saying that it was a prescription medicine to get over illness and that Usman was unaware that the it contained a prohibited substance. He also said that it wasn't steroid, EPO, HGH, or anything like that. Um, the rumor was that Britt Primus was going to be facing the winner of Patchy Mix and Alexander Shibley, but Usman's manager also stated that he wouldn't be stripped of his title and he would be rematching Primus to re-enter the Grand Prix. Uh, that still seems, no. there's been no other comment on that. Um, Usman also now volunteered to get into the voluntary anti-doping agency as a condition of his settlement with the athletic commission. Yeah, I think you, you know, you kind of said it best is like, who even knows if Bellator uh, is even going to be around in six months? Right. You know, the sale seems pretty, pretty imminent there coming down the line. So, mm-hmm. so be we'll be interested to see how that shakes out. Um, the last little bit I have is Jake Paul's next opponent has been announced in December. He'll be fighting 10 and one pro boxer Andre August. Alrighty, John. Song of the week. What do you got for us? Song of the week. I'm gonna go all the way turned up. Roscoe Dash. And what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is I think I might have found my calling in axe throwing because your boy is nice with it. Fair enough, Brandon. What is your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. If it fits into the show this week or no, I guess next week or the week after, I got a facts. Don't care. I'm doing the Ooh, fishing touches on. So I love it. I yeah. absolutely cannot wait. Uh, I had a riddle for you guys, <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> I am not reading this thing. Uh, so we will shelf that for my one for the people next week. And I'm really mm. interested to see if you guys get this. Mm. So come back next week. Uh, we will recap UFC Fight Night. Paul Craig versus Brennan Allen. I think we have one after that too, don't we? Uh, that would be The next one would be Thanksgiving. We don't have nothing. Okay, so week off. So if you can get your facts, don't there care. Next week's a perfect time to do it. So there you go. Teasing a little here. We'll get uh, Nate some fluids. A riddle. Yeah. <laughs> see. See you guys. Peace. Bye. <laughs>